and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Paul Katz. Now, Paul's recent novel, Disorder, is his first, and uh, I spoke with him about the interesting nature of how this novel came to pass and the issues that he wanted to explore when writing this novel. And I'll let him speak for himself on the rest of that. Uh, But before we get to Paul, I wanted to remind you that Wrong Place or Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it from the dark and gritty end of the spectrum. And uh, if you want to learn more, you can go to their website, Down and Out Books. That's Down and Out Books, all spelled out, dot com, Down and Out Books. Take the journey with us. And now, let's talk to Paul Katz. Well, welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you, Frank. Thanks for inviting me and allowing me to be on the show. Uh, well, I appreciate you doing it. Uh, you know, you we're going to talk about Disorder, which, uh, as I understand it, is your first book. Um, and uh, let's just dive right into it and, uh, tell me what, what is disorder about? It's a, it's a legal thriller, right? Yes, it is. It's a legal thriller that ends in a murder trial. Um, it's the writing style, um, from the point of view of the storytelling is similar to John Grisham, although I don't want to say I'm as good as John Grisham, but, um, it's about, it's like that. I mean, it sets a, a story and then it ends up in a legal trial. A murder trial in this case. So uh, the, the the story is about uh, a young couple. Um, the they both have problems with, as many many young people in this country do, with the student loan problem, and uh, they take different tacks to try to get themselves into a situation where they're they're not going to be crippled by the student loan system. Uh, the young man. Um, Pierre, he, um, he's from a small town in Louisiana. I grew up in Louisiana, and um, I lived in the Cajun country for a while when I went to graduate school. And um, so I kind of know that area of the country. Anyway, uh, Pierre is um, from a small town, Karen Crow, in uh, the French uh, Cajun country of Louisiana. And uh, his, fam, his father's a farmer, his mother's a school teacher, and they can't afford to send him to college. So he decides to join the, the military and eventually gets into the special forces and goes to Afghanistan. And he does that to arrange so that he, the military will pay for his education. He doesn't really want to be a soldier. He wasn't raised uh, uh, with that kind of a uh, background, but he uh, is willing to do that if that's what it takes to pay for his education. That route that you're talking about, the uh, route of, of uh, using the military as a, as a method for getting an education is, is pretty common. I mean, uh, uh, that's actually one of the reasons I went into the Army, and it's one, one of the reasons sometimes I suggest people consider the military if it's one of the options for them. It, there's a little bit of a twist here in your story in that he, he's a little bit of a reluctant warrior as well. He's one of those people who was a good athlete in high school, and um, but he never pictured himself to be a soldier. It's not like he's against the idea of being a soldier or anything like that. It's just he's just a quiet, soft-spoken country boy who was faced with a problem that he couldn't afford to go to college, and 
he just weighed his options and decided that the military might be a good way to go. He gets um, wounded and uh, he get he bombs out of the service with an injury that makes it impossible for him to continue to serve. And, and he co- goes to the University of New Orleans and he, he begins his life as a student. And so that's the young man in the, in the couple. And the, uh, the young woman is uh, also a French girl, but she's a, a French from a French family that lives in New Orleans. Her father is a middle-class guy who's doing fine economically, but he's Catholic and he's got eight kids and uh, mm-hmm. he can't afford to send all of them to college. And so he basically says to him, you know, I'm going to pay for you to go to a good high school, which he does. He pays for him to go to her to go to Sacred Heart, which is an expensive girls' school in New Orleans, uh, run by the Catholic Church. And uh, he pays for her to do that, and she does very well. And uh, But when she goes to college, she has to fend for herself, and she very shortly finds that the student loan system is crippling, and she decides to try to do something else, and she becomes a prostitute because she's gorgeous, and uh, she can get a good price. And uh, she's going to pay for her college education that way. So more of a professional call girl then? or Yes, a professional okay. call girl. Exactly. Okay. What happens is she goes and she, she borrows money for a while and she meets another student, another young woman, who basically mm-hmm. tells her, well, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is the up, money I'm making. <laughs> this is the, yeah, I mean, the other girl is, is driving a nice car and she's got... Um, money to spend and she's got nice clothes and she's paying for education and um our heroine uh becomes friends with her and wants to know what the deal is and uh ends up going that route herself so these two young people meet each other fall in love and um she basically tells him take it or leave it you know i'm not going to stop i'm going to pay for my education this way and then when it's done I'm going to finish my education. I promise I'll quit. And uh, he loves her and he puts up with it for a while. And uh, anyway, there's a murder. And uh, some of her customers who are very well involved in the student loan system, a, a rich businessman and a senator from Alabama who's come to New Orleans to be a bad guy. You know, I mean, and that's not unusual. I lived in New Orleans for a long time. And uh a lot of the politicians from the other southern states come to New Orleans where nobody knows them and they can do whatever they want and, and uh, people aren't going to recognize them. And so they can be bad boys when they come to New Orleans. And Sort of a dark but, Disneyland? Yeah, a dark Disneyland. New Orleans has always kind of been that way anyway. And it's a perfect place to go get lost in the crowd or lost mm-hmm. in, the, in the French Quarter or mm-hmm. in the underside of the city, so underbelly of the city. Anyway, so uh, these two guys uh, are, in effect, the young woman's customers, and uh, they do some, they have a conversation that's uh, about the student loan system that she overhears and records on her phone, and it tears her up because she realizes that she's been set up, that young women are, I mean, we're having an epidemic in this country of young women who are becoming prostitutes because of the student loan system. This is not something that I made up. As a matter of fact, it's something that I became aware of and became one of the main reasons why I decided to write the book. Because, you know, it's funny. I mean, all the politicians are talking about the student loan system now, but I started this book five years ago, incidentally, on a, on a 
Trans-Siberian Railroad going from Vladivostok to Moscow, crossing Siberia, and I decided that uh, I needed to write something. I needed to get this story out in a way that was palatable and that maybe somebody would hear about it and maybe somebody would do something about it because it's just disgusting what it's doing to our con to our economy and to our the lives of the whole generation of kids, young people who sometimes don't pay off their student loans by by the time they are ready for retirement. I mean, there are, there are people who are who are retired who are having their uh, retirement money uh, grabbed by the state uh, to pay their student loans. I mean, some of the student loans they never get out from under, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's it's a bad system. And I thought I would write about it, and uh, and then I decided uh, well, it just uh, the story kind of wrote itself, you know, got. Mm. It, it just uh, developed in my head while I was on the train. Well, now the description uh, that I, I read here, uh, the jacket copy, uh, goes a little further past just Pierre and Ellen and says that uh, uh, you've got a couple of lawyers who eventually get involved in this. Uh, as you talked about before, it ends up in the courtroom eventually. Uh, tell, yeah. me about, tell me about those lawyer characters. Who are they? Okay, well, let me first give you a little bit of background for me. I... Um, I graduated from law school in 1975. I'm an old guy, and um, I started in the DA's office in New Orleans, and then I spent two years doing that. Then I did three years as a public defender, which is just on the exact opposite yeah, side. Cool. I represented people who, who <laughs> a little switch poor. hitting there, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it can't help hurt to know what the other side is doing and how the other side office works, you know, and how they make their decisions. (laughs) So I went from the DA's office to the public defender's office, and then I went back and I worked in another DA's office. So I spent eight years in criminal law in Louisiana, five of those, uh, five of those years in New Orleans. But um, I left the criminal law many years ago, and I worked for a firm that was doing, uh, defending insurance companies, mostly from automobile accident cases, you know, people buy an insurance policy to get into an accident and then the insurance company has to hire a lawyer to represent them, to defend them. And I did that work for a year. And to tell you the truth, defending insurance companies is a lot less ethical than being a public defender. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I mean, the pu- the, uh, the insurance companies are not interested in justice at all. Mm, of course not. They're interested in saving money, period. Mm-hmm. And if you're not interested in playing ball the way they want to play, um, they're not real happy with you. And uh, mm-hmm. I got about 10 months into doing that and uh, had some insurance companies calling my boss saying, you know, who is this guy, you know, and and so eventually I said, you know what, I don't need this. And I changed sides and I started suing the insurance companies. And I pretty much did that for the rest of my career. And it was a lot more satisfying emotionally. It mm-hmm. felt a lot better ethically. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot more money. <laughs> it sounds like what you did is at least in spirit a little bit related to what the lawyers in disorder might be doing when it comes to who they're defending or who they're who they're focused on is is that would that be a fair statement oh absolutely i mean i think it's it would my book i think would be a great book for someone who is deciding that they wanted to be a trial lawyer to get the inside scoop on how lawyers prepare for trial and how the trial actually goes down how objections are made, how the court responds to those objections. 
you know, uh, what the lawyers are thinking about, what they're doing, what their strategy, all that's included in the book. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, but it's included at a level where a non-lawyer could appreciate it. So the book is Disorder. It's uh, been available uh, for about a year now, right? That's correct. And the author is P.L. Katz. You can get it anywhere that you get books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, paperback, digital. Uh, Paul, I want to thank you for coming on the show and thank you for your uh, considered uh, passion toward the topic of student loans. And thank you so much for inviting me. It was very enjoyable, Frank. I hope we get a chance to meet you someday. We'll have to make that happen. Okay. Well, there you are, folks. A pretty good picture of Paul and his uh, debut novel, Disorder. Uh, I want to thank him for coming on the show. And um, on our next episode, we're going to talk to Deborah Kuntz, uh, who is a fascinating woman uh, who's written a great series and uh, has inspired myself and one of my writing partners, Colin Conway, um, on the marketing front, in addition to entertaining me uh, with her first uh, with her first lucky book. Uh, well, so I sat down with her and we had a great conversation. And that is next episode on Wrong Place, Right Crime. A quick Zafiro update. Don't forget my new book, In the Cut, is now available from uh, Down and Out Books. Uh, it's uh, part of my Spell Compton series, which takes a look at uh, characters who are on the wrong side of the thin blue line. And uh, in this case, it is a fellow named Boone who's prospecting for an outlaw motorcycle gang. Uh, Also here in February, we have the second uh, episode of season two for A Grifter's Song. And this is from Awesome Maria Bradley, my good friend. Her episode is entitled Upgrade, episode eight of A Grifter's Song, or subscribe to the whole season. Uh, I'll tell you that if you do that, you do get the bonus episode for season two, which I can promise you reveals some secrets that you won't get elsewhere uh, in the series. Thanks, Paul, for coming on the show. Uh, We've got Deborah Kuntz on the next episode. I want to say thank you to Down and Out Books for always being a great sponsor. And most of all, to you, the listener, for firing up this podcast and listening every week. Uh, We will see you next time. Until then. This is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you gotta be in the wrong place to write crime.